I'm Fernanda, and I'm part of Group 4 in AP English, and I'm collaborating with... Jose! Who is in Group 6 and also in AP English. It's coffee time, baby! Okay, so at the beginning of the book, we meet Guy Montag, who's a firefighter, who actually, in this case, burns books instead of hoses off any type of fire. Um, Montag finds happiness in his jobs and questions why people risk their lives to protect a book. Um, One example of this would honestly be when he is trying to take a book away from a woman, but she decides to burn in her house with her books instead of uh, surviving herself and leaving her books to burn. He then meets a young girl named Clarice who changes his perspective and makes him question the world because he finally starts realizing how uh, unsafe and how people don't really take in their surroundings. Um, They just zoom by through the freeways, not looking at billboards, not looking at flowers, not looking at anything. After the death of Clarice, he realizes that the world is cruel and emerges himself in the world's books alongside Faber, who is someone he met in his past and who has more knowledge about books than he, um, Montag does. Uh, he is confronted by his chief, um, Beatty, um, at the end, who burns his house down, but then Beatty ends up burning to death. Um, the book ends with the destruction of the city through a nuclear bomb, and the author fl- starts flooding into the cities um, and trying to reconstruct it, but this time with books in the city instead of no books. All right, so the next thing we're going to do here in our coffee talk is talk about the important passages we saw some important passages we saw throughout the book i was inspired by one of the passages that i actually used last week which is on page 104 which talks about how faber was giving some wisdom over to montague he starts with but i want it to be your decision not mine and not the captain's but remember that the captain belongs to the most dangerous enemy to the truth to truth and freedom the solid of the majority we have we all have our hearts to play and it is up to you to know how it is up to you to know which ear you'll listen. This is basically Faber telling Montag to make his own decisions which are up to himself and not to anyone else. He should think about his thoughts and not anyone else's. A passage that I found that was important was the moment we see a flashback of Faber and how Montag met him in page 70, which is um the thought had been with him many times recently but now he remembered how it was that day in the city when he had seen that old man in the black suit hide something quickly in his coat this passage stuck out to me because we really see um how different montag has been all along and how he hasn't realized it because if like at the beginning of the book um clarice tells montag that he doesn't look like any of the other firefighters he looks approachable and he looks like he doesn't hate books and we can see more of this side through this passage because when he meets faber he clearly knows that faber hid a book in his black suit but he didn't do anything about it he just talked to faber and got to know him a little bit more even when faber recites some passages he's um montag doesn't do anything about it (laughs) <laughs> so a new one that I actually found this week while finishing the book was on the last page last page on 158 and it said <laughs> and on either side of the river was there a tree of life which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. <clears throat> so what stuck out to me in the beginning was because it was indented and then I later read it 
and I actually found out that it was Montag reciting one of the fra- one of the phrases in the Bible, I believe, right? I think so. So, um, it was basically, I believe it was a symbolism of how Montag, after the whole like other society kind of was destructed, he started to create new ideas or like remember other things that like the bible phrases so it was like a symbolism of both destruction and creation um (laughs) next up on coffee talk we have our themes throughout the book one major theme we know is censorship censorship is prevalent throughout the whole book because even at the beginning of the book we can see how censorship (laughs) uh, we can see the presence of censorship through the burning of books. The burning of books allows less knowledge to be passed around through people and allows the government to control the person. Because, in a sense, whoever burns the books and writes his- and can rewrite history so that people don't know what happened in the past and they can make up a past that doesn't like necessarily have to be true. Like, an example of this is through the book when they say that Benjamin Franklin was like the first firefighter who burned books and we know in our reality that that's not what happened. He was like a founding father and all this Hamilton. stuff. <laughs> okay, and here's Fernando with our second theme. Okay, so our second theme that we agreed on was ignorance. Um, so basically, throughout the book, there have been many figures who have symbolized the in- ignorance there was towards topics such as love, knowledge, and happiness. Mildred is a great example because she was ignorant about both love, knowledge, and happiness because... Um, I clearly remember when Montague and Clarice were walking together and she asked Montague, are you happy? And he clearly remembered, he was asking himself constantly, was I really happy? But um, Mildred never wondered any of that. She actually didn't show love when she ran away with in a taxi from Montague when he was going to get caught. So she didn't stand up for him even with the love she may have had there. And here's Jose with our next theme. Our next theme is connections between destruction and creation. One of the most prevalent themes towards the end of the book is connections between the destruction and creation of different things. Um, what we see in the, at the end of the book would be the destruction of the city, which is like right there. Like The city gets destroyed by the nuclear bomb. But it also relates to creation because... With the destruction of the city, there's also authors flooding in to create a new city where books are part of society, I guess, again. And it also goes back to a quote that Fernanda has said before where Montag had used the Bible inside the book and most generally like the Garden of Eden and how life was really created, with, which really ties us back into the, like, the creation of the whole universe and back to like roots of like the first i guess book um and then here's fernanda with the next theme all right so our next theme is the bible we have constantly seen um the bible throughout the um the literature in this book it was often referred to um in scenes such as when the old woman was burning with her house and how montague took the bible there how montague memorized some pages or some some like phrases you know from the verses my bad i'm sorry (laughs) verses from the bible and um yeah here's uh jose with our first connection which is ourselves to this book 
So the major connection that I found between ourselves and the book is our, our consumption of technology. Um, actually more like our consumption by technology. Um, throughout the book, we just see Mildred being consumed by the walls and the shells and all this different technology like, instead of actually interacting with Montag or trying to support him through his books. And I think that's something that really connects to society today and ourselves because we use technology for everything now. Like even at school, we're always on our Chromebooks. We're always like Chromecasting. Um, and when we're out of school, we're like on our phones, we're on our laptops, we're watching YouTube videos, whatever's trending. <laughs> Exactly, it's a simulation. Just kidding. Um, Shane Dawson. <laughs> but it also, what I think ties in, and something I I talked with my group today when you asked how the book tied into American culture, and I think it ties into how in American culture we really tend to get entertained by things with minimal effort. Um, because I feel like if you look around, everyone would rather take a shortcut than actually like do everything so an example of this would be like instead of reading books nowadays people would be like oh yeah i just watched the movie like they just take a shortcut oh, something yeah. that takes a minimal one effort e one example is harry potter i i really love the films but i have not read the book so i am one of those people being simulated <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it just really ties in on how we have like we get entertained by things that really don't require us to do anything like anything that requires us to be lazy like what did mildred do she just stayed at home all day like talking to the walls instead of actually going out and trying to make people <laughs> friends with people like that's technically us today I get it. there's anti-social people out there including me but that's a little extreme extra. <laughs> at least she has us at school you know oh. instead of just the walls <laughs> okay so our next connection is the world now and the book <clears throat> Today in class, we were actually talking with you, Mr. Hosking, about um, how he may, um, the author may have predicted the future, and you gave us the example of AirPods, how the seashells in the book may have predicted or given like an idea of what AirPods could be, and also there are books that can be banned, and in China especially, there are a lot, or I mean, in the Asia, Asian, um, like. Part, right asian regions yeah um i um there's like a bunch of different bands on books actually it's ironic because this book was also banned in some places um and i believe it was because the bible was burned in was burned i think that was the reason why i'm not sure like i'm not an expert on books oh <laughs> But yeah, and there's also Harry Potter in which people, they banned it because they were scared their kids would do witchcraft, which is kind of crazy to me. It's like weird. I thought we got over the whole magic face, to be honest. Like, I know. What are they going to do? Just read a book and be like, you okay, know? Okay, me. <laughs> okay, and here's Jose with our next connection. So our next connection is um, our course essential question, which is how can industrious, hopeful, loving leaders create a world of healing and justice, um, justice, truth and truth through the effective use of the English language? I think this book is a clear example of what we can do um, because throughout the book, the lack of the English language, in this case being books, had caused this sense of like, I think we mentioned in this class, like we didn't really people don't really care about the human life. There's. So oh, many, yeah, like the white clowns and stuff, and yeah. how kids—that was a kids show. That's kind of. And they literally mutilated people in that show. Like it really shows us how we need literature to actually tell <laughs> us to teach us. 
uh, what is wrong well the difference between what is wrong and what is right because even though these like stories aren't true they really teach us a lesson this book for example really gives us a perspective of how the world would truly be if there was no books in there it might not exactly go like this but like it's as close as we can get to actually feeling a world without books without literature without morals without stories to guide us and can you excuse joseph for yelling behind us Uh, he can get extra credit for being in it (laughs) i'm just kidding that's a call but yeah that's one that's how we were able to connect the course of question course essential question and montag um but overall like the way we can like spread i think one of them we didn't one of the parts we didn't cover from the course essential question was how to spread like love and stuff but i think that ties in back to the whole books help us really define what love is since we not only do we have a literal definition in the dictionary but we have different like romance stories and stuff that we can read and really be like oh this is how we should treat people we're in love with this is what we do like and it just helps us spread stories and love and care like there's no greater spread of love than when you read a bedtime story to your kids i'm yes. just saying that's i remember my mom used to read me some in spanish they were great Oh my gosh, she used to scare me with Little Red Riding Hood, Little Story, but I would always get scared. I don't know why. Uh, dude, how does, how's it called in Spanish? La Caperucita Roja. Bro, I always thought it was something else. I thought it was a bug. Okay, so <laughs> sorry for the distraction, but our next connection is going to be the Bible and the book, which is, um, well, there were many scenes the Bible took place in, such as I said in the beginning, um, which was interesting to me because it ended up being burned. And I think it might have symbolized the ignorance towards belief belief in the book, in my opinion. What do you think, Jose? Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, it does. I feel like it's not necessarily belief, but I think it, they wanted the Bible there to teach how, like, well, it was burnt and all, but like to also like teach how they had to be burnt because of the problems we have today in society, which would be difference of religion. And people always fight over religion and how they're not always the same religion. So I think it was included there to be like, oh, if there was no Bible, there was no religion, and people wouldn't be separated through a religion, and they wouldn't be separated at all. They'd just all be living together, doing the same thing all the time. Yeah. So now I pass it back on to... Oh, wait. Actually, no. It's my turn. I'll be <laughs> I'll be talking about rhetorical devices and strategies used. Oh, no, wait. It is my turn. What do you mean? <laughs> I'll be covering illusions. And then I'll be covering paradox. <laughs> illusions that we've seen uh well actually we've mentioned it throughout the whole podcast more than one time but it'd be the allusion to the bible um as we know an illusion is a reference to something outside of the actual book and for this case using the bible as like the way it describes creation and describes eve taking the forbidden fruit i think that was a great illusion to use because we all know what well not all because different religions again but like most of us really know that story we know the story of genesis we know the story of adam and eve and how they got kicked out because you know they ate the forbidden fruit but i think that was a great illusion used by uh, the author (laughs) to really promote that promote like that idea that knowledge is power and that knowledge can lead to destruction or like the distraction uh, the destruction of your reality because as we all know once eve took a bite out of the apple like she got all this knowledge they knew they were naked like then they were kicked out of the garden 
And just like Montag here, like he began reading books, he began getting knowledge, and then what did it lead to? Like his, it le- yeah, it led to destruction. <laughs> it led to destruction. Like his house got burned down. Mildred left him. Beatty died. Like, oh yeah, he burned him to crisps. Yeah. So it's like, kind of crazy. I didn't think Montag would be able to like kill someone. Yeah, because he. <laughs> I feel like he has like a big heart. He seems so nice and stuff. You know. It's the books. I'm telling you, knowledge is power. <laughs> the power to kill. You never know. Ah, you're right. I mean, he was like looking at the white clown most of the time. So. Oh, inspired. <laughs> okay, oh. so here's Fernando with paradox. Oh no, where is it? Oh, here it is. <laughs> okay, so paradox was often used in order to cause irony between con- the contradicting things, such as this quote on page twenty-one: "The mechanical hound slept but did not sleep, lived but did not live, and it's in its gently humming, gently vibrating, softly illuminated kennel back in the." in a dark corner of the firehouse this quote is able to demonstrate paradox because one it's saying that the mechanical hound slept but did not sleep but how is that possible unless it was like semi-awake you know i mean it is a robot so it makes sense all like like sleepwalking well kind of it's like you unplug it and like it's sleeping i guess but it's not sleeping (laughs) but it also said it lived it it was in a softly illuminated kennel in the back dark corner which is like how is it illuminated if it's dark? But how is it dark if it's illuminated? You know what I mean? Light and darkness go together. Ying and ying. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> here is Jose with flashback. Image. Oh, flashback. Yes. <laughs> My good. Uh, so throughout the book, we see a lot of flashbacks. Well, not throughout the book, but like a specific area, like we've mentioned before, is the moment Montag meets Faber. Because, and that really doesn't serve as much, like, to continue other than continue the story along but it also really gives us an insight on who Faber is and why he's so important into the, uh, for the story like w- throughout the use of the flashback we are able to know that Faber has had books before and he has knowledge about books that BD guy Ma- too, right abidi ha- has yeah. books but we never do we really see a flashback BD? no right i don't think so no but i remember BD said that he was at one point like intrigued Street. by the books yeah. and he wanted to like see them but then he they had a they have a 24 hour notice like kind of to give the book back yeah we'll burn the book but like you know anyway so the flashback really just serves to introduce faber as a character and his knowledge of books as well as giving us more context context like i said about a guy montag's personality and how he was from the beginning not really having any hatred towards book and how it dif- he differs from all the other firefighters um, uh, so the flashbacks really serve more as a way to give context to the story and I think that's the main reason that the author included the flashbacks so here is <laughs> I was going to say here's Fernanda but I guess I'll talk more I'm so sorry <laughs> um, well flashbacks are used in a book as a way to recall a memory which is something we can't really do in life i wish it was like wouldn't it be awesome just to think about a memory and how you met someone and just see it flip out in front of you and like by doing this and not it's not only like giving you insight on a memory but it's like amazing because it's not something you could naturally do like i can't just start remembering something and then fernanda knows about it while the author really uses flashbacks as a way to share the memories with someone else and really give like complexity to the character 
because I feel like if you there is no background, there is no motives for the reasons. Like if we don't know anything about the character's past, we aren't able to really see how, why they came out like this in the present and what they will be able to do in their future. Um, so this is me with imagery. This was one um, scene in which it stood out to me. It's on page 56 and it starts with behind her the walls of, of the room were flooded with green and yellow and orange fireworks sizzling and bursting to some music composed almost completely of trapped drums, tom-toms and cymbals. Her mouth moved and she was saying something but the sound covered it. That kind of shows like the brainwashing kind of bit in which um, Mildred was kind of just staring at the walls which is crazy because she wanted a fourth one for some reason even though she would never be able to see it because of the um as you said mr hosking the 360 turn and it was just basically greed basically i know and then they're still paying off the third wall which is unfair to montag because isn't he the only one he's the only one that works yeah he's the only one that works mildred just stays at home all day Wait, and I wanted to add on to the imagery, like, at the beginning of the book, literally on page one, it's literally, like, it was a special pleasure to see things eaten, to see things blackened and changed, with the brass nozzle in his fist, this great python spitting its venomous kerosene upon the world, the blood pounded in his head, and his hands were the hands of some amazing conductor playing all the symphonies of blazing and burning to bring down the taters and charcoal rooms of history. I think this is very strong imagery to not only, like, depict in our heads like how he burns books and how he burns houses and he's literally burning history like he says in like the book because obviously books contain history and so i think that was a really strong imagery to really help us know what his job is and how and it also like tells us that his heart was beating like it was pounding so we really know like either he's really excited about his job like it's something that sends an adrenaline rush through him and like or like it's something he's scared of we like it just i think it all depends on interpretation but it's really strong imagery for that well that brings us to an end there was this was coffee talk and we're happy to have our audience here listening to us three two one it's coffee talk baby you're canceled